When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. We believe that God actually speaks to us through these words. So let's take a moment of silence to quiet our hearts so that we can listen to God's word. Tonight's reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 3. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat from it, and don't touch it, or you will die. The snake said to the woman, You won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful, with delicious fruit, and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The snake tricked me. And I ate. This is God's word. Um, I'm Talia Wultima, and I'm on staff here at NOVA as the discipleship coordinator. Um, and I'm excited to be starting off this series uh, called the question, Searching Questions as we look at the questions that God asks us. Um, but have y'all ever noticed with questions and with phrases that they can sound completely different depending on who is saying it? Take this super simple question, how are you, for instance. If you're checking out from King Supers across the street or Trader Joe's and the person checking you out asks, how are you, you probably give an automatic answer like, yeah, doing well, tired but good, how about you? And you'll sense that they're being kind and polite, but you also probably sense that they, it's not quite the time to go into a 20-minute story of how you're actually doing in the middle of Sunday rush hour at Trader Joe's. But if you're meeting up with a friend or coming home to your partner and they ask you that question, you'll probably hear as more of an invitation to really share, to process how you're doing. You can take two minutes or 20 minutes. You can sit and cry for a minute if you need to. You know that they really want to know how you are. Same question, but you a kid who's just been like coloring all over the wall and your mom comes in and is like, what are you doing? You might sense a little bit more panic in that question. You might respond with like, oh no, what have I done? 
We're beginning this series, like I said, called Searching Questions, a question that God's asked, uh, yeah, the questions God asked us. And we're spending time each week with the different questions that God asks throughout Scripture. But just as we talked about, how we perceive the speaker of any question or phrase will completely change how we hear the, that phrase or question. Is it a complete stranger asking, how are you, or a close and caring friend? Is it a friend casually asking, what are you doing, or someone who sounds like they're actually kind of panicking about what you're doing, asking you, what are you doing? How we perceive the speaker will completely change how we hear those questions. And as we navigate these questions that God asks in the coming weeks, how we perceive God will shape how we hear his questions. Our question on Ash Wednesday this past Wednesday was, what have you done? And Katie unpacked the invitation to repentance and reconciliation that it holds for us. And today we're looking at another question from this passage that Chuck just read for us. The question, where are you? And this question pops up at the very beginning of the Christian scriptures. In the first two chapters of Genesis, we see how God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. How he created Adam and Eve, breathing life into them and setting them in a lush, rich garden to both enjoy and eat from and also to tend and care for. Everything that they needed was found there in the gifts of God and in the presence of God who dwelt in their midst. But in the passage that we just read, we see how Adam and Eve come to doubt in God's words and trustworthiness and reject the goodness and fullness of the life that was theirs. And when they do, do so, we see the immediate impact of shame and guilt take place. They hide. Where they had been naked before, safe and innocent, unashamed and unafraid in each other's presence, they're covering up themselves, hiding themselves from each other. And when they hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they panicked and ran for the trees, hiding from God. And that immediate outcome of shame and guilt is a pattern that is not hard for us to recognize in all of human history, and I'm sure not hard for us to recognize in our own stories as well. Those things that stir up any kind of shame or guilt in us often make us want to hide hide from ourselves as we pile up the to-do list so we can avoid looking at what's really going on in our lives. Shame and guilt make us want to hide from each other, putting up a facade of doing well, of being okay, of repeating to those closest to us, I'm fine, I'm doing well, I'm fine. And shame and guilt also make us hide from God. If we're disappointed in ourselves, we assume that he must be too we may not really bring to him everything that we're carrying or holding or those things that are holding on to us. And it's not only shame and guilt that make us draw back from each other and from God, but discomfort, disappointment, grief. You could insert your own word in there when you recognize these seasons or those things that make you most want to hide from others or from God. And so it's not hard to see ourselves in Adam and Eve's reaction, hiding from each other and hiding behind a tree somewhere. But in the middle of their panic and their fear, God comes onto the scene walking through the garden with a question, where are you? 
One thing you should know about me, if you don't already, is that I have an endless sweet tooth. There's truly like no end to my love for sweet things. Um, and especially when it comes to baked goods, uh, which is one of the many reasons why I'm thankful Marlene is a community member here. She blesses us so often with baked goods. Um, but truly, cookies, cinnamon rolls, pies, croissants, all of it. And so if you ever offer me a baked good and I say no, it's like safe to assume I'm not well. I'm like, you can be concerned. Um, and this passion for baked goods goes way back to my younger years as well. Um, when I was around eight years old, so second grade, um, a new German bakery opened up about a 15-minute walk from my house. And it was God's greatest gift to my eight-year-old self. And one day while I was at school, I just became obsessed with the idea of needing, like I, it was a need. I needed to go get a German Berliner. Do you know, like the jelly-filled donuts? They're so good. Um, if anyone knows where to find a good one in Denver, please let me know. Um, I just needed one of those jelly-filled donuts. And so I got onto the bus at the end of the school day, and I somehow managed to convince my school bus driver to not take me home, but to drop me off at the German bakery. Um, I, d I wasn't thinking about the fact that I also didn't have money. Uh, I just needed to get a Berliner. And so he drops me off there. I somehow managed, for that, managed to get the bakery to trust an eight-year-old with an IOU. Um, and then I start walking home, my 15-minute walk home, as happy as a clam, Berliner in hand. Uh, but apparently, my parents were not having quite a lovely as an afternoon as I was. Because when their 8-year-old daughter didn't show up and wasn't dropped off and nobody called to tell them where I was, they kind of went into a panic. So they were calling the school, calling, the, trying to call the bus driver. Um, and when I showed up, you can imagine kind of the like, panicked relief that they felt in seeing their 8-year-old daughter walk up, wondering where she got the donut. Um, and they just kind of showered me with questions like, what were you thinking? Where were you? What? <laughs> but that's not the kind of intensity of questioning that we hear in this story in Genesis. God doesn't seem to be tearing through the bushes as if he's lost Adam and Eve, calling out in a panicked manner, where are you? And he also isn't crashing through the trees like an angry employer who is calling you because you're late or because you messed up and you're in trouble. Where are you? He's simply walking through the garden in the cool of the day, as if that's simply what they did at this, at this hour every day. In the middle of their panic and shame and fear and anxiety, in the middle of whatever they were feeling in that moment, as the world, as they knew it was crumbling around them, God shows up with this simple question, where are you? And if he isn't that panicked parent who's lost control and calm, who's anxious and afraid. And he, if he isn't this angry, disappointed employer who's coming to find you with anger and disappointment ringing in his voice, then the question, where are you, starts to become an invitation. An invitation to relationship from a God who pursues us and sees us and knows us even when we're hiding behind a tree somewhere. In the midst of Adam and Eve's shame and guilt driving them into hiding, the voice of their creator, their father and friend, whom they knew true life with, calls out to them, calling them out of hiding. And this question invites them to be honest with themselves and with God about where they are. And in response to this question, they have a very human response. The response that I absolutely automatically had when I, especially when I was a kid getting in trouble with my siblings, this automatic reaction to point fingers and deflect guilt and try not to get into trouble and trying not to get blamed. 
But God doesn't abandon them at that moment, frustrated that they're not owning up, just as he didn't abandon them when they first sinned, taking what was not theirs. Rather, this very honest and real moment between God and Adam and Eve launches us into this pattern that we see throughout Scripture. That pattern of God pursuing his people, showing up where we are, calling us out of shame and guilt and back into relationship with him. At the start of the New Testament in the Gospels, we see the clearest picture of God showing up where we are. As God steps directly into this world, showing up in the darkness and in the brokenness and in the sin of this world that tries to keep us hiding. And we see moment after moment as we follow the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels and the New Testament, where Jesus seeks out the one who is hiding. The one hiding in the crowd, too embarrassed to get close. The one shunned and abandoned by their community, keeping their distance, assuming Jesus won't want them either. The one weighed down by the guilt of their past or their story, not wanting God to really see what they carry. He seeks the one who feels lost, unsure of what their next steps was and where they could belong. And God calls out to each of them again and again with an invitation to relationship, to be fully known and seen and loved starting where they are. We're gonna have a moment here in a bit to simply reflect and sit on this question that we've been looking at today, the question, where are you? And to reflect on the invitation that holds for us today, where we are, where you and I are in our stories. And there will be an opportunity after each question in this series to do the same, to have a moment of quiet to reflect on each question. But as we hear this question and the questions to come, I'd invite each of us to pay attention to how we view God and how that view is shaping how we are hearing God. And we can ask God also to remind us and show us who he is, that he isn't a panicked parent or an angry employer or an uncaring friend or a disappointed parent or any of these images that might that we might have of God that conjure up this image of him condemning or being disappointed. We are told in John 3.17 that Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. And he calls after you not to condemn you, but to call you back to him. So let's invite him to show us who he is as he asks that, this question, where are you? For I believe that we'll see that he asks it out of a selfless love, a love that pursues you, sees you as you are, knows you better than you know yourself, and calls you again and again into relationship with him, back into his healing and good and gentle presence. So whether you've been a believer your whole life or are still figuring out what the imitation of Jesus might mean for you, I would challenge each of us to be honest um, with God in this moment as you're about to enter into this time of reflection. As God calls out, where are you? Do you find yourself agreeing with Adam and Eve, hiding in those bushes, afraid of what God might think? Do you find yourself in this season maybe keeping your distance as a voice of guilt tells you that you've done too much to be forgiven. 
Do you find yourself more going through the motions with God right now, but maybe avoiding letting him get too close into those vulnerable places of our hopes and our dreams? Are you in a place of grief and mourning, maybe unsure of how to navigate it right now? Or in an in-between space, maybe tired of waiting or confused or frustrated, unsure of what God is doing? Are you in a really sweet spot with God right now, enjoying life with him and thankful for where God has you right now? I'm going to invite Sean up um, to play as we take a couple minutes together to reflect on this question. That'll be up on the screen. And afterwards, we're going to come to this table together where we are reminded every week here at Nova and really around the world just how far God would go for us to find us where we are in our brokenness, in our hiding, in our woundedness, in our shame, in our guilt, wherever we are. He finds us not to condemn us or shame us, but to call us into relationship with him where we are seen and known and loved.